It is one of the marks of the truth of the Bible narrative that it never seeks to gloss over the weaknesses of man, men. The fact that it reveals the depths of depravity to which human nature can sink has been one of its characteristics on which the agnostic and the atheist have seized in order to bolster up their unbelief. Yet in fact, those who look at the record without prejudice and against the background of their own experience of what human nature is capable of must, as we say, see in its plain, unvarnished account an evidence of its veracity. Even the weaknesses of men and women who might have been expected to be different are plainly revealed. They are pointed out, they are corrected, they are reviewed, but they are never exaggerated, they are never dwelt upon. Never is the impression given that because of weakness alone, even repeated weakness, God has cast them off as unsuitable vessels for the exercise of his mercy. Again and again, this comes out in the Gospel records. Jesus called 12 men to be his special companions on the hard road which he had to tread. And yet, how weak they were. How lacking in understanding. How often they were more concerned with their own position, their own desires and their own needs, rather than the welfare of their master. Especially were they prone to quarrel amongst themselves as to who should be the greatest. They were very much inclined to allow petty jealousy and rivalry to destroy that harmony which should have prevailed among them. It was understandable. It was inevitable. Here were twelve men in close daily contact, living a hard, unnatural life, all anxiously seeking to please their master, all seeking his approval. They had, as Peter said, forsaken all to follow him. And unless their service to him proved to be acceptable, they were indeed lost. Naturally, they were anxious. And inevitably, under such circumstances, stresses and strains developed among them, as they do in the body of believers today. Several times those tensions were revealed in a quarrelling amongst themselves as to who should be the greatest. We have an example in that incident recorded by Matthew in our chapter for today. And we find such quarrelling still going on, even on that last occasion when Jesus met together with his disciples. And on each occasion Christ rebuked them and showed them very clearly the principles of submission and mutual service which should govern the relations between his followers in contrast to the pride, the ambition and the self-seeking which characterise worldly communities.
He also taught them by more practical means. And it is upon this that we wish to reflect this morning. So should we look at that chapter in Matthew, chapter 18, and read the first verse. At that time, the disciples came unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now the circumstances in which these words were spoken are brought out more clearly and in more detail in the other gospel records. Jesus and his disciples had just arrived at Capernaum from Galilee, and on the road the disciples had been disputing among themselves as to who should be the greatest. Jesus had discerned their thoughts, and when they sat down in the house in Capernaum, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? Mark tells us, but they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. Jesus left them in no doubt as to his mind on this subject. If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. However, it would seem that throughout the subsequent conversation, the question about which the disciples had been arguing was still very much in their talk. They asked Jesus, therefore, for an authoritative answer. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answered the question by emphasising the principles which he had already enunciated by an illustration a practical object lesson. So we read in verse 2 of the 18th chapter of Matthew, And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now Luke, in his record, says that Jesus put the child by his side, thus giving the child a position of honour, and so emphasising the principle which he was trying to convey to them. Before we examine just what Jesus meant by these words, with a view to applying them to ourselves, let us look at a very similar incident recorded in the next chapter. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Then there were brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Why the disciples wished to turn them away, we are not told. It is generally supposed that it was to spare Jesus. 
Yet their action caused Jesus considerable displeasure. Matthew and Luke record only a comparatively mild rebuke. But Mark says that when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. The Revised Version reads, When Jesus saw it, he was moved with indignation. What it was in the disciples' attitude which gave rise to such indignation on the part of their master, we do not know. A viciousness, perhaps. A certain position, a certain pride of position. They were the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Who were these to push their children forward? A despising, perhaps, of those who in their simplicity desired their young children to see and feel the touch of Jesus. We do not know what was in their minds. Certainly they showed by their action how far they still were from an appreciation of the mind and feelings of their master. Whatever the particular thought of the disciples was at this time, Jesus took the opportunity to emphasise that lesson which he had taught them before. But what did Jesus mean, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven? First, it is clear that it is not a quality which is natural to us. We need to be converted, turned, changed, if we are to become as little children. Now the average man would consider it an insult to be told that he was of a childlike disposition. Yet this is the disposition which God desires to see in us, which he must find in us if we are to be worthy of entering the kingdom of God. It is essential for us to be converted, to change our minds and become as little children. It will surely therefore be a profitable exercise if for a few minutes we reflect on just what it means to become as little children. Jesus defined more clearly what he meant when he said, Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is not a quality which we normally associate with a child. Certainly a child does not consciously show humility in the way in which an adult does. And yet there is a humility in a child, an involuntary one, a natural humility from which we as adults can learn. What do we understand by humility in a child? How is it manifested? What makes him humble? Well, a child is surely humble because he is helpless, dependent and ignorant. He needs to be protected, supported, taught and guided. And generally, the young child will recognise this and is pleased to accept support and protection, willing to be taught and guided. Of course, 
He will rebel from time to time. But with wise, firm handling, the child is not slow to recognise his weak and dependent state, to accept the love, the care, the guidance of his parents, and to find the contentment which such subjection to them must bring. And he is pleased to grow in knowledge and understanding. But as the young child passes from childhood to adolescence, so he seeks to assert his independence. He begins to resent being taught. He would like to think that he needs no guidance. Then he has to learn what true humility means. And as he moves into adulthood, he has to relearn some of those childlike qualities which he once thought were so unbecoming. Spiritually, the majority of men and women never progress beyond adolescence. They remain proud, rebellious, willfully resentful of being taught. They are too big for religion and God. Jesus says, in effect, what you must do is retrace your steps, turn and become as little children, Recognise your helplessness, your dependence, your ignorance. Not now in natural things, perhaps, but certainly in spiritual things. A child has very little sense of his own value or importance or dignity. He is just what he is, accepted for what he is. He needs love, affection, and encouragement, but has no false pride, no proud seeking after position. And so Jesus said, should it be with his followers. Greatness among his followers depends not upon self-assertiveness, but on humility, not on lordship, but on service, not on teaching, but on learning. An outstanding characteristic of a child is his willingness to learn and the ease with which he learns. A young child, having no preformed ideas, no false pride in his own knowledge, is ever ready to accept new thoughts, new ideas, to learn new words and develop new actions. His mind receives impressions very readily and he is continually developing and changing according to those impressions. It is part of the natural humbleness of a child that he should be always learning and developing. No false pride, we say, prevents the entrance of knowledge and growth in understanding. A child's mind takes on the impress of his surroundings and closest associates. This, of course, could be dangerous in the wrong environment and with the wrong associates, a point not without its bearing upon our position as children in our spiritual life. But the wise parent will ensure that as far as possible, the child is only in contact with people and things that will cause him to develop in the right direction. The application of these childlike qualities in our spiritual life is at once obvious. 
Man in spiritual things is like the child in natural things, helpless, dependent and ignorant. The majority will not recognise this, and so they remain in that condition. Only a few, recognising their true estate, become as little children before God. And our presence here is in evidence that at one time at least we had this childlike disposition, appreciating our weakness and our need. We were prepared to be taught by God, to learn from the word of God, and to submit to God's commandments. But now the question must arise at this time. Have we preserved this same attitude toward God and his word? Like the child, we should be continually learning, ever developing, forsaking old ways, learning new and better ways, learning to walk in ways more and more acceptable to God, no matter how old we might be in years or how young. There are two insurmountable barriers to such development. Pride and hardness of heart. But if we are truly childlike in the way in which Christ exhorted us to be, neither of these qualities will be found in us. Meekly responsive, truly pliable, never too proud or too set in our ways. Then we shall develop and change our way of life and character to whatever extent the word of God requires of us. There is tremendous emphasis in the scriptures on the need thus to respond to divine teaching and guidance. The true children of God are those who are willing to respond to the instructions of their Father. We only have to look over some of the Psalms to see that. Turn for a moment to the Psalms. David was an outstanding example of one who desired from the bottom of his heart to receive and to respond to divine instruction. Whether that instruction was given by word or by the circumstances in which he was placed. Look at Psalm chapter 25, Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he will teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek he will teach his way. Humble yourselves as little children, said Jesus. Be willing to learn. Be humble. Then in Psalm 34, David himself, having learned the fear of God, seeks to instruct others. Verse 11. Come ye children and hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Surely we all desire that. And as we read through the Psalms, we find again and again the emphasis on hearkening to the word of the Lord and responding to its teaching as little children. Yet, how often we behave otherwise, unresponsive, rebellious, perhaps? How often we allow our own ideas and reasoning to influence us more than those of God through his word? How often we refuse to put aside obvious weaknesses and wrong ways? Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God. They are serious words. Let us do our best to take them to heart. We know how we feel about a child, whether our own or another's, who is willful and rebellious. He's a constant source of grief and anxiety. He's not a pleasant character. Let us learn the lesson ourselves. However, there is a sense in which we are not to be as children in spiritual things. The Apostle Paul wrote, Brethren, be not as children in understanding. Howbeit in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. There is a sense in which we should grow up. But we only grow up in a way acceptable to God if we preserve throughout our lives that childlike disposition which is willing and able to learn and develop in the right way. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, said Jesus, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Here we have our great example in the one we remember at this time. It is written of him that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. He learned from his father, from the word of his father. He learned from his experiences. His mind and disposition were such as to respond to the training he received and he learned to obey by the things he suffered. And the Apostle John wrote, He that abideth in him, himself also ought to walk, even as he walked. Paul wrote that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. This was the result of Christ's childlike submission to the will of his Father. The result, but not the end. As the Apostle continues, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, 
And so the promise to us is likewise. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of God. May we each learn to be so humble, so contrite, so willing to tremble at God's word that we may, like our master, be exalted in due time.